So the thing about Honest John the Fox is that he's played by Keegan-Michael Key. Um, oh my God, it's he. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And a thing that you got to know about me is that I have a personal vendetta against uh, Keegan-Michael Key and his uh, collaborator Jordan Peele um, because of the uh, skit they did, which was a uh, substitute from the South Side or whatever. Oh, oh the, no, the- you're Aaron! Welcome to Mortified, the Friendship Quest, a podcast for two long-distance friends, bounce media recommendations, all in hopes the other will like it. I'm Aaron. And I'm a cricket. Nobody will let get a song out. This week, we go all in on Italian folklore with a Pinocchio battle royale. Before we fight fascism with the power of having a dead son, remember you can help us on Mortified Legitimacy Quest by subscribing to us on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify, setting up for our monthly newsletter through the link in our show notes, or following us on Twitter and Tumblr at MortifiedPod. Layla. Aaron. How do you feel about puppets? I quite like puppets. I don't actually really? I have a traumatic I have a traumatic ha- uh, memory involving a hand puppet, but otherwise puppets uh, I think are delightful fun. Yeah, you know, um I've been watching a lot of Defunct Land lately. Um so I've been learning a lot about the history of Jim Henson and the Muppets and Sesame Street. Um so I think that yeah, like generally puppets are pretty good. Um, you know, they're one of like the oldest art forms in, in human culture. Um, but I feel like they get a bad rap, you know, they, um, you know, there is something about like something moving on its own, simulating human motion that that is unsettling to to most people, and sometimes myself included. Um, But I feel like I've definitely gotten over my puppet fear after um, just this incredible exposure therapy that we've had (laughs) this weekend. Uh, Layla, why did we decide to watch three Pinocchio films for this episode? (laughs) Ah, uh, because three came out last year, and we just needed to we needed to do our grim duty and explore the concept of it was uh, certainly grim in different ways each time, which is fascinating. Yes, yes. um, and and we'll talk about that. Um, what is your exposure to Pinocchio mythology generally? Would you say? So I've seen the cartoon. I haven't seen mm-hmm. it in a long fucking time. Right, right. Uh, that's kind of it, really. Do you have any more, like, in-depth exposure to our, our boy I, I mean, I, I think my vast majority of my Pinocchio exposure came from Kingdom Hearts, right? Um, oh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, you do have to fight in Monstro, like, a bunch of times. Monstro, yes, in, in Chain of Memories, in one, in some of the Dream Not Distance or whatever, but, like... Um, yeah, Monstro, just, like, one of the most difficult levels in Kingdom Hearts, because it's just all flesh. It's so hard to navigate. <laughs> um, very funny, though. Um, but yeah, you know, besides that, I wouldn't say that Pinocchio was, like, even in, like, my top ten Disney films, right? It's no. just, like, you know, it's fine. But you know the legend, you know about the nose shit. That's about it. I, like, fully forgot, until Cynthia Erivo opened her mouth, I fully forgot that when you wish upon a star was a pinocchio song yeah yeah no 100 percent, right because it's it's been the disney like um logo opening like song for forever um and like you know they they make a nod to that in the, in the disney uh, adaptation let's let's actually talk about the three we watched so famously there was a, a lion's gate uh pinocchio which i think actually came out in 2021 i think tail end of 2021 um but, like, they got famous on the internet because Pinocchio does the thing where he says, Dad, Father, I want to be, when am I going to be able to go out on my own? And everybody's like, wow, he sounds very queer. Um, and. Yeah, Polly Shore, some, yeah. for some reason, got cast as. Um, so this was a, this wasn't even. This was not Lionsgate did not make this movie. Lionsgate right, no, they, just imported it into the states. It's a Russian film. Right, right. Um, and here's the here's the truth, folks. We did watch it. We're not going to talk about it because it was fucking dog shit. <laughs> like it wasn't fun. Yeah, uh, it was not a good. It was a, Here's my problem. I so I watched it a while ago, and 
the most I'll say about it is that it's not as bad as people say it is, but it's also not good enough to be memorable. I think you put it best in your notes. Like, this is something you put on for your kids while you're making dinner and you're not paying attention. Like, that's right. Right. No, this is like a salt. Like if you're if you're going showing this to a kid, this is a complete like three out of five star film. It's it's bad, but like it's not so bad that you wouldn't show it to your children. I guess Pinocchio does get shot with a gun at one point, but that happens in in Guillermo del Toro's adaptation, too. It's just way funnier in this one. Yeah. uh, What should we call it? It's like it's like an Alpha and Omega sequel. (laughs) It's just something you put on. It's, yeah, it's very much in that vein. Um, We'll maybe make reference to it, but we won't talk about it because it was just not memorable. The two big important ones are, of course, the Disney live-action remake with with Tom Hanks and the Guillermo del Toro adaptation um, Stop Motion, which apparently was done with actual puppets. Um, I'm learning from Layla's notes. Um, But that was also, you know, the, the other one. So, you know, it's more like a, a two and a half Pinocchio battle royale, but we'll still you'll still get your mileage out of this one. Um, we should probably talk about the Disney one first, right? All right, we'll take it away for with uh, Disney Pinocchio twenty twenty two. Yeah, so we start out with Tom Hanks. He's the you know clockmaker Geppetto, um, and basically he's been kind of depressed and agoraphobic ever since his uh, family, his wife and his son died. Um, that's one thing to note is that they fro- forefront the family death in both of these movies, um, to, to various degrees of efficiency, um, in this one, but they are very much like, yes, yeah, so, um, you know, he's a widower and, um, you know, his, his kid's dead. Um, he lives with his fish and his kitten. Um, the kitten might've been my favorite part of that entire movie. Figaro is very cute. Um, very distracting from the banality of the rest of this film. Um, but like, basically, you know, he's, he's sad, he's grieving. He lives in a house full of CGI cuckoo clocks that are all some sort of quaint Disney reference, which did make me gag a little bit. I was really disappointed that they made all of the cuckoo clocks Disney references. Like there's one that's, which is like, um, Rafiki holding up Simba. There's like the, the evil witch. Like, I think it's a little bit like, you can do that as an Easter egg, but this is like full on self indulgence in a way that really bummed me out. Yeah. Um, not to mention the puppet Pinocchio that Tom Hanks interacts with looks exactly like the cartoon to the detriment of the production. Because they literally, it's almost like they took an eyedropper between the, like, 2D cell from the 40s and then put it on the real puppet, which does not mesh with the rest of the visual tone of the film. So it just looks uncanny, and they, like, didn't outline his eyes, so his eyes are really hard to see. Like, it's just, uh, like, as an introduction to the film, on top of the fact that Joseph Gordon-Levitt is the cricket and he's doing some, like, meta-narrative stuff that I wasn't super thrilled with. Uh, it was just not a very powerful entrance um, to this flick. I thought it was fine. He comes in and sings the When You Wish Upon a Star, and he's, like, floating down. I mean, he has some interesting... He's very folksy. He's, like, very animated. There's a, mm. there's a line where the Blue Fairy is like, you know, you should be his conscience. And he's like, oh, you know, I'm a cricket. I'm not a conscience. You know, I'm more of an insect than an instinct, which I think is a completely fine, you know, smooth line. Um, he has a couple of those, which I, which I appreciated. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, to, to talk about the, the fact that Pinocchio is exactly visually identical to the one in the forties, they couldn't have done it any other way. Right. I think they could have, but it's Disney Lion is King, what I'm Lion saying. Lion King was completely realistic. Simba didn't look like Simba. I suppose so, but like... I uh, also don't think that Beast in uh, Beauty and the Beast looked like himself. Cinderella's dress, they completely changed. They could have they could have tried something, but it just... They didn't. <laughs> I just... I, I feel like Disney is not brave enough to do any of that stuff. Um, but I guess that's a, that's a fair point. All the other live-action stuff um, did take some liberties. So, uh, point retracted. Um, Geppetto wishes upon a star. The blue fairy is summoned, um, and she uh, grants Geppetto's wish uh, and brings the puppet that he's recently made to replace his dead son, Pinocchio, to life. Uh, he is named <laughs> Pinocchio on account of him being made of pine wood. Um, and this is this is just comes from the uh, 1883 uh, children's novel. Um, the Italian um, uh, Pinocchio um, can either refer to a pine nut um, or the pine tree. Um, but Pino means pine and Ochio uh, means I. 
Um, so this uh, Blue Fairy, Cynthia Erivo, who is going to be uh, uh, Alphaba in the twenty, the upcoming Wicked movie. I forget when the first one comes out. Um, Next year, I believe. Nice. Uh, so we have C- uh, Cynthia Erivo. We have uh, a Blue Fairy from GDT's Pinocchio. And then we have Blue, Blue Fairy from uh, Lionsgate Pinocchio. Um, which was your favorite? Easily Guillermo del Toro's biblically accurate Blue Fairy. That was very yes. cool. You know, we'll I get think, into her. I think we'll Oshia does her. a great singing job. Um, you know, no shade to her, but she can't compete with a cool CGI fucked up angel. No, and uh, I do want to just give flowers and respect to uh, Lionsgate Blue Fairy, a queen who cannot decide on an accent, and it's maybe one of the unintentionally funniest parts of that movie. Yeah, yeah. Um. So basically, we've got Pinocchio alive. Um, she, the fairy says to Pinocchio that he, if he proves himself to be brave, unselfish, and true, he can become a real boy. Um, and Jiminy is made his conscience to help tell uh, right from wrong because he was literally born uh, today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, pretty classic setup. This is this is core Pinocchio. Yes. Uh, and uh, you know what? At this point in the film, I was like, good luck to you, my boy Pinocchio. Right, right. Uh, let's see where you take us. You know, I want to point out one significant deviation that the Lionsgate film takes, which is at least new and interesting, um, is that they give Pinocchio, instead of a, a cricket, they give him a horse named Tybalt, who acts as his conscience, but also maybe his dad and talent agent. Um, mm-hmm. Really anti-agent stances in two of the three of these Yes, I, mm, there's some weird stuff. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, anyway. Um, but, like, yeah, uh, Geppetto, you know, once he realizes that his puppet's alive, he's very psyched about that. But he's like, ah, you got to go to school to learn things. That's what boys do. Um, and, you know, at first, you know, Pinocchio goes to school and he's like, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go to school. and I'm going to be a good boy. But he's immediately kicked out of school because they're like, you're your puppet. You can't go to school, obviously. Um, which, you know, this is... Hmm. This is the problem with Pinocchio in this adaptation is that he's not really a character, right? You brought this up in your notes, but he doesn't no. make any choices. He does not make any choices. He gets kicked out of school for being a puppet, which is like, pardon the turn of phrase, very on the nose mm-hmm. <laughs> for, mm-hmm. for this movie. And then he gets, you know, picked up by by the circus, which is this this fox and, and the cat. And this is where I started to notice something in this movie being... Um, very strange. Uh, there's a particular shot I picked out um, that, uh, for some reason, the fox is wearing this, like, brocade blue velvet cloak, which is too blue for the shot it's in, and these pristine white gloves that are too white for the rest of his costume, in the sense that I, like, reduce the shot to black and white to do a value check, and the gloves become the focal point of the shot and i've said this before and i'll say it again the people working at disney are massively talented incredible dedicated artists something went wrong with this movie directionally and it it looks bad I I don't have anything to contribute to that, but like I have seen Layla's um, like screen caps, and I, I I can kind of agree, right? There there's a lot of you know the white gloves kind of throw everything in the shot off, right? Because you are drawn to them, um, and then like like with the with this value check, right? The white gloves are like brilliant against the kind of dull colors of everything else, which is um, very strange. <laughs> Then there's a shot, like, that's in the shot at night, and there's no light whatsoever other than, like, the light of the coachman's eyes. And I, like, found a comparison shot from How to Train Your Dragon where you can actually see what's going on. There's also a shot where Pinocchio is, like, two feet away from a bright yellow light, but the bright yellow light isn't casting on him or on the curtain directly behind him. So it's just, like, something happened here. It feels rushed. It feels perfunctory. And... I feel awful because you think about these artists who have trained for years and years and years and had to go through, like, gauntlets to get hired at the Disney company. And then, like, 
this is the product, I, you know, I, it bums me out, genuinely. <laughs> yeah, I think perfunctory is the right word. None of this feels like a labor of love, unfortunately, you know, at, at least from the, like, the performers. They're doing it because they have the opportunity to get paid by Disney and be in a Disney film. And Tom Hanks, I feel like, put his Tom, Tom Hussey in this. <laughs> I, he really acted. Um, but, uh, I mean, they didn't even market this. I think we, we saw, like, what, one trailer? Right, right. And I mean, I don't know that 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 part of that is just the difficulty of marketing in the digital age, um, right? Where where everybody's on social media, and, and a lot of young people don't like watch any other kind of media. Um, but I, I have sympathy for for anybody trying to do marketing. But it is very strange that something with like such a stacked cast did not have a bigger push. Right. I feel like I heard more about Cocaine Bear than this movie. But then again, not everyone can have a wildly popular media analysis podcast in which there is a recurring segment that is just all marketing. Um, mm-hmm. Nobody's nobody's quite as lucky as us. Yeah, yeah, you know, shout outs. Um, if you are having difficulty marketing <laughs> your uh, multimedia movie, perhaps uh, consider sponsoring the uh, Mortified Marketing Minute. Uh, you can get at us at mortifiedpod at gmail.com. Anyway, um, so <sighs> the thing about Honest John the Fox is that he's played by Keegan-Michael Key. Um, oh my god, it's <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. And a thing that you gotta know about me is that I have a personal vendetta against uh, Keegan-Michael Key and his uh, collaborator Jordan Peele um, because of the uh, skit they did, which was a uh, substitute from the South Side or whatever. Oh, the, oh no, the... you're A-A-Ron! Yeah, yeah, like, people people <laughs> still call me A-A-Ron, and I, I get, like... Like, they're doing it, like, as a joke, but I've stopped taking it as a joke just to, like, make them uncomfortable because it, it irritates the fuck out of me because it's been happening for 10 years. Like, when we bought Sierra's car, um, the car dealership man asked me if he could call me A.A. Ron, and I said no. Because uh, <laughs> uh, this, like the- so, yeah. <laughs> That's like the harshest answer I've ever heard you give to anything. <laughs> right. I'm not usually, I'm usually a very chill person, but I will not, I don't, don't do that shit. It annoys me so oh. much. Oh it doesn't my God, actually, keep... mm, never mind. I can't get into it. Anyway, if Key and Peele see me, it's on site. That's all I'm I saying. Can't, I can't believe you know what it feels like because my problem is every man over 40 for 10 years would see me and go, you know, Eric Clapton song, Layla, and then one of th- one of them, the motherfucker. I got so mad about this that I went and learned the fucking Eric Clapton song because I wanted to be prepared. I was tired of people looking at me and being like, oh, you might not even know it, it was Eric Clapton. Man was like, oh, do you know the Eric Clapton song, Layla? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, didn't believe me. And he was like, I'll give you 20 bucks. If you, or he's like, sing it then. And I said, if you give me 20 bucks... And he didn't, the coward, and I would have. So, yeah. finally, somebody knows my pain. Yeah, no, I'm glad that uh, media has made both mo- of our names miserable anyway. <laughs> um, <sighs> but, like, I, you know, all of this is to say, um, his per- I'm, I'm mostly joking, Key's performance is fine. Um, but there's, <sighs> this bit has some jokes in it. Um, both this and the Lion's Gate bit had some jokes specifically coming from, from, like, the Fox Circus people talking about how Pinocchio, you know, they, they have to, to name Pinocchio something weird. The Lionsgate one was like, oh, well, I can't name you Leonardo because you'll either be a selfish actor, uh, a nod to Leonardo DiCaprio, I assume, um, an artist, Leonardo da Vinci, or a turtle, um, which, and this one, they're, they're talking about how they need to have a, um, a stage name for Pinocchio, and he throws out the name chris pine um and at this point i had to sit down and i was like so hmm, i don't believe this story believes in its own world um no, not for a second this is the edit point where we talk about forspoken <laughs> uh, <laughs> um forspoken has come up recently on video game Twitter because people were making fun of its dialogue. Um, there, there's a lot of meta humor about the protagonist who, you know, she's an isekai protagonist. She finds herself in a fantasy world. She's tied to a bracelet that talks with big nouns and is all very, you know, hammy and corny. The way that, you know, you, you talk in a fantasy world that you're doing this thing. And she comments on it and she's like, oh man, if you keep talking like that, I'm going to kill myself because this is so fucking bullshit. I hate this. Um, and like, you know, 
the first spoken dialogue doesn't really bother me. I think it's fine. I think it's mostly mostly funny. But um, one of my my favorite um, writers, Austin Walker, you know, put out uh, a blog about why he he doesn't like that kind of of humor. And I think it brings up a good point, which is like, if you are going to do a fantasy story where you have your protagonist or your you know any of your characters undercutting the premise of your story, undercutting the the fantasy, the the tropes, the the big picture, you know touchstones that that are part of that narrative right and you, you can attribute this to you know joss whedon right is the and like the quippiness of marvel movies uh as one of the major touchstones but like i i think i think he, uh, walker brings up a good point which is like you know if, if your own characters don't believe in the the reality of your world uh and to the point where they are making fun and poke, poking out of it like it kind of breaks your you know experience as a as somebody uh, who is trying to, you know, engage with that media, right? If, if you don't actually believe in the world that you're living in, right, then it, then it kind of falls apart. And I think Pinocchio absolutely suffers from this because it is more interested in telling these meta jokes uh, than engaging with the actual story. And I think that's, um, you know, I think that makes it weaker overall. Yeah, I think you're, you bring up a good point because, like, uh, we talk a lot about buying in, and so I don't know if you if you caught it, but uh, recent there's a, a a game got kind of Beyonce dropped on us, like no one knew it was coming, but it was Hi Fi Rush. I, I just and, saw like, this, yeah. The trailer has like really quippy dialogue, like it's very punchy and kind of like irreverent, but the world seems like it really buys into the whole bit, like it's consistently like that and stylish and goofy, which versus seeing that in like a like a Guardians of the Galaxy trailer or something it really like didn't bother me I thought it was a lot of fun and then on the opposite end of that I think it's interesting that like Forspoken of all things is getting this criticism because like Square Enix which that's a that's a Squeenix property yes, right yep it is Squeenix uh Final Fantasy like <laughs> yeah t- the like- biggest <laughs> name in cheese like Kingdom Hearts is all this it's all heartless and keyblades and Xehanort like and nobody jokes about that everybody takes that 100% seriously and that's why Kingdom Hearts works in a large part because everybody's bought in I think more earnest me I I'm so tired of like this irreverent cynical self-referential meta nonsense like pl- just please I'm begging for earnestness <laughs> like right buy into right. your own bit be cringe it's fine right come on we're we're all telling fantasy stories made up of you know dragons and knights and bullshit like it's it's completely fine we love this we love why- playing pretend this is why the antagonist of my webcomic is a 15-year-old, because I'm I'm going to let her be so cringe. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, following that digression, Pinocchio goes to Stromboli Circus. This is where we get a new character, Fabiana, um, who is a, a puppeteer, but also an ex-ballerina. Um, she injured her foot doing some sort of dance thing. Um it's bad they they don't make good use of this character um and like uh it's it's real it's it's just disappointing because i i feel like she's just kind of in there because otherwise there'd be like one woman i am just glad that they didn't it felt like there was going to be a romance beat i'm so glad they did not follow that yes yes and like i know we just talked about how it's important to not be cringe or to embrace cringe but like i was something about the puppet romance that she was trying to initiate i think it might have just been the fact that she was using puppets to try to do her weird romance beat with pinocchio uh that that set me into orbit but i was like this makes me really uncomfortable and i don't like it Um, but yeah pinocchio does not need a love interest for any reason (laughs) No, uh, that that would be insane. Right. Anyway, it's it's bad. It's 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 nothing. Um, you know, the person who who does plays Fabiana does a good job. You know, she sings as well as she could. It's just you know, the she You're wasn't really given, cute girl. She's great. Yeah, adorable. Um, wasn't given anything to work with. Uh, no. Anyway, Jiminy Cricket shows up. Pinocchio in the one sequence in this film where he tells lies. Um, grows his nose to find a key to help himself uh, escape from a cage he's been locked in. Um, doesn't really come up again. So it does. It is just that one time that I I'm don't, not I nuts. Don't, I don't think it happened any other time. Oh, Jesus Christmas. Maybe uh, sometime in Monstro, but I think that's more... I think that's Guillermo del Tormo. Also, 
Uh, what did you think of my visual comparison that Jiminy Cricket in this film looks like Hopper from A Bug's Life? Uh, I mean, they're cousins, right? I would say did that they're cousins. Did you see co- it a bit? I, I mean, the I, mask. Don't wanna, I don't want to... Mm. Oh, yeah, they do have, like, this hood thing over their eyes, um, which maybe that's just what grasshoppers and crickets look like. I haven't actually, you know, taken a, a whole detailed look, but, um, yeah, it's... He, he he's probably... Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is this is Hopper's um yuppie son, is what I would see. <laughs> I just maybe I'm just a Bugs Life pilled because it was one of those movies that I watched like a hundred times when I was a kid and I played uh the like PS1 spin-off, but the moment I saw that little ridge on his face, I was like, ooh, off-putting. Mm, it was weird. It's weird. I'm not sure why he has that ridge. Anyway, um the the wow. Okay. This is the part where they go to Pleasure Island. Um, mm-hmm, basically, mm-hmm. they escape, and then he's immediately picked up by the coachman, who has been on this podcast before. Uh, I believe it's Luke o- uh, Evans or Luke Owens. Well, he he plays uh, Owen Shaw in The Fast Six, which is hysterical. <laughs> um, that, that was Owen Shaw? Yeah, the brother of Deckard Shaw. <laughs> Oh my god. So the coachman wow. <laughs> is just here, um, which is really funny. <laughs> Wow. Um, hmm. Was that him that popped up like a whack-a-mole with the popcorn while Pinocchio was riding the ride? I think so, right? Okay, because he's, he's got the best singing voice in that whole flick. Listen, at least someone's having fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this Pleasure Island sequence is batshit. Um, it's, it's fun. It was one of my you know, more enjoyable parts of this movie because <laughs> Pleasure... I, I saw some criticism of this, which is that, like... They don't use actual beer uh, in Pres- Pre- Pleasure Island. They use root beer, um, and that kind of undercuts the whole point of Pleasure Island because it's the alcohol that turns you into a jackass, um, which, fair, sure. Um, I-, I think that's a completely valid criticism. But I I was completely swept away by the reincarnation of Pleasure Island as just like this, like, um, rage room, like Westworld style thing, where it's just like, here's a school you can like throw pianos out of windows, and here's a pile of free bricks you can throw at a church. Like it's awesome. Yeah, at that point, I was not watching this film. I was looking for like shot by shot comparisons of night scenes because I I was going insane. <laughs> right, right. Um, it's it it was you know it's still fun. Um, I I, I had a fun time at Pleasure Island. There's spectral creatures on pleasure island for some reason (laughs) oh yeah the fucking dust fucking creatures yeah he has like some like shadow ghouls the the that are at the coachman's command that help load up the 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 kids because um the thing about pleasure island if for some reason you don't know um the kids get turned into donkeys after they misbehave enough they turn into jackasses literally uh and then he sells them to the salt mines which is really good um i think that's great um, that's that's a, I, that's a tabletop villain for sure. I will say that 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 one kid you watch turn into a, a donkey that is terrifying. Yes, there's one kid. Um, I think he is Lampwick in this one. Um, but like he he like takes Pinocchio under his wing. He's like, "Come on, Slats, why don't you uh, play some billiards with me and drink some root beer? And we're gonna go on a, a carnival ride." Um, but he you know slowly transforms into a donkey and he like once he realizes it's happening it's kind of gut-wrenching because you he like begins to sob and like bray and it's like really grotesque like uh, they don't lean as much into the 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 scariness of P- the pinocchio story as they could in this one but here they, they do kind of um hit hit the uh, scary transformation which is good yeah it was uncomfortable to watch uh, anyway, uh, Pinocchio and Jiminy escape for some reason. Uh, I don't know how they get out. It doesn't matter. Uh, what matters is that they end up getting swallowed by Monstro, um, who looks like Sin from Final Fantasy, kind of, <laughs> which is really cool. Yeah, I like the fucked up whales in these movies. They're good. Listen, I'm always here for a fucked up uh, sea creature, so very happy about this Monstro incarnation. Um, at this point, this is where he's reunited with Geppetto, who went out to sea to find him. Um, they build a fire in Monstro's uh, mouth. Uh, it causes him to sneeze. Uh, they're sneezed out. Pinocchio uh, believes Geppetto has drowned, uh, but then he cries and it wakes him back up. And then, um, you know, he's not. Uh, Jiminy says something about how at the end, like, it doesn't matter whether if, if Pinocchio is real or not. Um, they, they don't clarify whether or not he become, becomes a real boy. Although while they're walking away in the final shot, it looks like his, his body becomes human instead of puppet. Um, 
but it's i don't know why they they added that i don't think it really does anything for the story but um you know that's how that ends yep it's a movie that was a visual mess it didn't know what tone it wanted to strike it was a perfunctory copyright motion that didn't make the most of either its artists or its actors nor its writers it was uh, less than the sum of its parts regrettably um However, however, we did watch a good Pinocchio. Oh, Guillermo del Toro did it again, lads. So partnered with all, all of my stop motion girlies came together for this one. Shadow Machine, Laika, every single puppet girlie was involved. And I love this. Also, shout out to my mentor from college, Parker, who was an animator on this film. Um, I found him in the credits. Very exciting. I feel like I know a celebrity. Um, But anyway, this one opens kind of similarly. Um, Actually, it takes kind of the up route. Geppetto has this sweet little son named Carlo. They live in a small Italian village in Mussolini's Italy. Um... He works as a as like a master woodworker. He's working on carving this crucifix for the local church. Um, him and Carlo have a grand old time. Carlo's like a very good boy, and you know, Carlo is on a mission to find the perfect pine cone to grow his own pine tree so he can make his own toys like his papa. Uh, and Geppetto tells him the story of you know, Carlo, you must be a good boy, and um, if you lie, your nose will grow very very big. Because everyone around you will be able to see the lie, except for the person, you know, who who tells it. Um, And then, you know, they're going about their beautiful little life. And uh, one day when they're working on the crucifix, uh, one of the darkest fucking turns in a children's movie happens. Where it's not even that the village gets bombed. It's that the planes flying overhead release the bombs to make their ballasts lighter. It's really good. It's a really good, just tiny plot point that just kind of underscores the themes of the the anti-war themes of this. But it's just like, it's great. Just like a freak accident born of not even negligence, but just like people wanting to be slightly more efficient with their war making. Um, and it, just just a great touch. Yeah. Oh, grim. Um so, uh, Geppetto, uh, grieving his son, uh, dr- dives headfirst into alcoholism, but he does plant the perfect pine cone behind his grave, wherein, over the years, um, the pine tree grows. Uh, one night, our friend Sebastian Cricket, played by my man, Ewan McGregor, uh, arrives to write his memoirs and sleep in the pine tree, found a perfect home, but he's, uh, disturbed when Geppetto, uh, starts cutting down the tree, uh, to carve a puppet of Carlo and bring his boy back. Uh, and he, he kind of finishes, half finishes this endeavor and goes to sleep, uh, which is when we start to see the wood spirits and our girl, our best friend, biblically accurate blue fairy. It's really cool. Like, so all the wood spirits are eyeballs and they kind of converge together in the workshop and they create this, like, exactly what you're thinking, like, multi-eyed, glowing specter. Uh, she's really cool. Um, and so so these are all puppets? These are all actual props? Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible that this is an actual real thing that they made because it looks fantastic. They have to make... Okay, hi, God, it's been so long since I watched, like, a Leica documentary, but if I remember correctly what they do... First of all, you have to make multiple bodies. You can't just make one body because they will wear and tear. Mm-hmm. Also, you want to be able to shoot multiple sequences with especially, like, Pinocchio. You want to be able to shoot multiple sequences at the same time. So you're making multiple bodies that have to look as close to identical as possible, which gets harder when you're, like, working with textures like feathers, you know? Mm-hmm. Um it's it's a very exacting science, and they're all on these like very um, high, not high tech, but like very thoroughly engineered armatures. And then for the faces, they print a like th- thousands of faces that have the proper expression and the lip sync, which is just a marvel of planning. Because um, if I re- if I remember correctly, it's not like a whole face. They'll they'll have different. Um, like eyes, like a different top slat for the eyes and then a lip sync. 
Um, and then, like, digitally, they'll remove the seam. I think it might differ for different puppets, though. I think there's a, a documentary on the making of Kubo and the Two Strings, which is where they first really started incorporating CGI with, with the, um, the puppets, which is to say the puppets themselves are puppets and they're shot live. Um, but the, like, world around them can get CGI. So, like, Kubo has a lot of water and stuff. A lot of the effects will get CGI'd. It's a really, it's a really, like, thorough technique. It's, it's insane. Um, like, mastery <laughs> of craft. Um, yeah, no, the Blue Fairy, uh, sick as hell. Uh, I really also like that, uh, you know, she goes to Sebastian. She's like, you're going to help this little boy be a, a real boy. And he's like, no, I'm a writer. I no, I want a vibe. This isn't my job. I'm not a caretaker. He's busy working on his memoir, which is titled <laughs> The Sridulations of My Youth, which is an all-time title. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, that'll be the title of my memoir. Um, but she's like, well, if you help him, you can have a wish. And he's like, a wish? You mean I can mm. get published? <laughs> yes. And I was like, yeah, that's, I feel that, bud. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, so, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Sebastian agrees to be the conscience. Blue Fairy says, okay, live Pinocchio. Uh, and then Pinocchio uh, wakes up in the morning and is a little freak. Yeah, he's like crawling around on all fours, just like skittering around the attic. And Gimpetto is rightfully terrified. He like gets a hatchet and tries to kill him. Uh, it's really funny. Uh, yeah, he's I, 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 grudging. Uh, there is like... You know, we talk a little bit about how Pinocchio is, like, an inherently, like, horrific story, but there is something, like, very interesting about how Geppetto gets drunk and tries to, you know, like Faust before him, resurrect his his um, dead loved one. Um, like, sim- and then he also, like, Frankenstein, right? This is, this is like, you know, the, the creator tries to create something, uh, bring something to life that shouldn't be alive. Um, and I think I think it's a really interesting take on that. Where like this is still fundamentally like kind of a, a good you know kids. Mm, I don't know if this is a kid necessarily aimed at kids, but like this is a fundamentally still a fairy Show tale. Show it to children. Children love horror. Fucking yeah, scare them. I mean, I bet I bet kids would like this. Uh, I'm just I don't want to pin pigeonhole this as like only for kids. Oh um, no 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 no. But yeah. it should be accessible. To but kids. like, I do like that they are very like. This is the only one of all the three that we watched that where Geppetto freaked the fuck out when Pinocchio was alive, which he should absolutely one hundred percent. Like, if you if one of my miniatures came alive, I would try to kill it with a hammer. Yeah, absolutely one hundred percent, no doubt about it. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, he tells Pinocchio to stay put as he goes to church, and Pinocchio, thrilled at the concept of church, does not <laughs> stay and behave. He goes, church, church, church. <laughs> he's just a little fucking freak. I love him. He is so, and like, he is rightfully stupid, right? Like he, yeah. he's like, what's this? And Geppetto's like a hammer. <laughs> like, it's so I dumb. love hammer, 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 hammer. Uh, yeah, he's, he's funny. And so he goes to church where he sees uh, Jesus and he poses like Jesus uh, and everyone sees that there's this little wooden boy, and rightfully all these Catholics freak out. A bunch of people are screaming, like, El Diablo! Mm-hmm. Um, it's a fun time. And so the Podesta, the the fascist police in town, uh, he's like, hey, Geppetto, your little freak wooden boy needs to go to school. And Geppetto's like, deal, no problemo. Um, he'll go to school. Uh, he does not. No, no. No. He does not go to school. He gets stopped by, um, uh, he gets stopped again by the circus freaks, uh, not freaks, uh, derogatory freaks, weirdos. Uh, well, uh, this is, this is Spazzatura, right? This is the monkey. Yeah, Spazzatura and Il Volpe. Um, so the monkey and the wolf. Uh, uh Spazzatura, played by Kate Blanchett, just making monkey noises. <laughs> Not a single line of dialogue. But a lot of monkey noises. <laughs> a lot um, of monkey noises. Poor, poor Kate Blanchett. Um, uh, hey, she wants. She volunteered. She wanted. She wanted it. Um, and Ilvolpe convinces Pinocchio that he should come for hot chocolate and be a star, and he makes him sign a contract, which he signs with a little smiling sunshine. It's it's a very cute. Um, yeah, he takes him takes him to the circus where he becomes the living puppet. At this point, he, you know, Geppetto catches up with him and he's like, hey, you can't, you gotta, you gotta give my kid back. And this is where he dies the first time. 
uh, yeah, so he dies. Uh, interesting that you say the first time. Uh, he, he, how does he die this first time? He straight up gets run over by a car, I think. Right, they're and pulling him, oh, the fox and Geppetto are pulling him, and he gets flung into the road and hit by a car. Hit by the Podesta's car, and the Podesta, instead of apologizing to Geppetto for running over his boy, is like, this is why you shouldn't let your children loose. <laughs> um, and so Pinocchio dies, and he goes to the afterlife, which is full of rabbits playing poker. Mm-hmm. Um, and he meets the sister of biblically accurate blue fairy which is biblically accurate i guess death fairy Mm -hmm. uh and she informs pinocchio that he is a little bit immortal but there's a catch he has to hang out with her every time he dies he has to hang out with her a little bit longer uh until the sand and all her hourglasses runs out and he'll just do that until the end of time Um, death also looks cool Death, yeah, she's like a cool sphinx. Yeah, um, kicks ass. I think I would be cool doing that for like a couple of loops. Yeah, there's, here's the thing. I have not died yet, so I feel like I could probably do a couple times, but as we'll talk about at the end of this movie, I don't know. It's a, is it is it a burden? Is immortality a burden is a question that this film asks. Um, it I does. Do, I do also want to hit one thing, which is that Pinocchio... At what it's at realizes that that he's been made as a replacement for Carlo at one point. Um, he's talking to Sebastian and kind of talks about how Carlo's death is a burden that only Geppetto can bear. And you know, Pinocchio is like, "Oh, that's really sad." Um, and then you know, he he further on furthermore talks to Geppetto about this, and he's like, "You know, why does everybody like Jesus instead of me, even though I'm made of wood?" Um, and like, we kind of get Pinocchio's like muddled understanding of the world and like how how like his place in it and and that comes to be important right not only the christ imagery and the the reincarnation stuff but specifically about being a burden because that's what eventually drives him away right Uh, very bold of this movie i think to to use christian imagery so heavy-handedly like i haven't seen this since uh in like a mainstream big budget movie since you know the prince of egypt um, which Mm -hmm. is kind of nuts um so, uh, you know, Death gives him this this explanation, uh, says, God damn it, my sister meddling with the fucking rules again. Sigh. And then uh, the sand runs out, and uh, Pinocchio returns to the living world, where Geppetto is uh, reasonably pretty fucking pissed at him, uh, because Pinocchio signed a contract that says if he doesn't perform for Ilope, he, um, Geppetto owes him 10 million lira, which is... <laughs> quite a bit of bunny and on the other hand podesta's like this boy won't die which means he is the perfect soldier and geppetto does not want pinocchio to go to war for carlo related reasons mm-hmm. um the two of them go home uh and uh geppetto again rightfully upset uh with pinocchio says uh something along the lines of i made you to be like carlo why are you not more like carlo and mm-hmm. pinocchio says one of one of there's a lot of really heartbreaking lines in this film uh but one of the harder hitting ones is pinocchio saying i don't want to be like carlo because carlos and the implication is dead mm-hmm. uh and geppetto calls him a burden yep 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 yeah it's brutal brutal this uh, leaves Sebastian to, uh, you know, previously Sebastian explained, like, what a burden is, but this also leaves him to explain that sometimes fathers say things that uh, they don't, that they think they mean in the moment, but they don't, and they just need time to, like, come to that, which mm-hmm. is an interesting thing to say uh, when we talk about the pedestal in a minute. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, interesting turn there. Uh, so, Mr. Pinocchio, our boy, our son. Uh, feels so guilty over this whole thing, and he loves his papa so much, he goes and willingly joins Il Volpe's circus, where Il Volpe says, 50-50 profits, baby. Not the case. No. Uh, he makes Pinocchio uh, perform, and uh, sure, it's 50-50, but not before the travel fees, expenses, feeding, lodging, leaving mm-hmm. Pinocchio with... Just a few coins uh, that do never make it to Geppetto. Right, uh, right. And specifically, he's doing routines that are like, um, like fascist propaganda, right? They're like, uh, it, it's not USA shows, but like, it, it, there's a thing that in in America, like, it, like there there's a there's a thing that if you watch war movies, there's like often times like um, 
USO shows maybe is what I'm thinking of, but like they're they're doing things to entertain troops and and other people and p- promote the spread of fascism basically. Right. And like it gets increasingly fascistic uh to the point where Il Volpe uh wants Pinocchio to perform a very special show for Mussolini himself, which is uh, really interesting. Bonkers. Uh, Geppetto and Sebastian go looking for Pinocchio, but on their way, uh, chasing him gets swallowed by the dogfish, uh, which is the monstro of, uh, of this world. Again, fucked up looking creature. Love him. He's just, uh... He's great. Just a wrinkly, just fucked up looking whale. Um, eventually, Spazzatura, in an effort, uh, because, uh, Spazzatura is jealous of Pinocchio, tells Pinocchio that, uh, hey, you should fuck off because Il Volpe's lying to you. He's been taking all your money. Uh, which Il Volpe does over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, he, Spazzatore tells him he's not sending anything back to Geppetto. At which point, Il Volpe beats the shit out of this monkey. Yeah, it's brutal. It is hard to watch. And Pinocchio gets in the middle and, and stops it. Uh, and says, I will not have my co-star treated this way. Uh, at which point, Il Volpe starts to show his true colors. As mm-hmm. maybe not a good guy. Yeah, yeah, he does cut Pinocchio's nose off. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, 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 a little bit. But it's okay, because Pinocchio gets him back when he calls Mussolini in front of his face a poopy pants. Yeah, it's very... The whole, <laughs> Mussolini is in this movie for, like, maybe two minutes. His first line is, I like puppets. Uh, and I think his last line is, like, I do not like this puppet, when, when uh, Pinocchio is just, like... Um, you know, saying like, I'm Il Duce. I like to shit in my pants, basically. Um, and then he does he does ask to execute Pinocchio. <laughs> He's like, kill the puppet, shoot him. Uh, and uh, Mussolini and his assistants. And also, by the way, the captain that takes uh, uh, Geppetto across the, the, the like, river. Mm-hmm. All played by Tom Kenny of SpongeBob. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Voice acting is an incredible profession. So the last line you hear Tom Kenny say in this film, I believe, is, Arrivederci, as he launches himself off the side of the boat as the captain. <laughs> um, so Pinocchio is executed, which means he's back with death. And at this point, he starts to learn a little bit more about mortality because, uh, you know, uh, death is like, he's like, you know, it's, it's chill, it's whatever, I'll come back. And Death is like, yeah, you'll keep coming back, but you might, like, miss the lives of your loved ones because you'll be here with me. And that's the beauty of, of human life is it's, like, transient and, and it doesn't last. Um, so when he returns from Death the second time, Pinocchio is found, found by the Podesta. Uh, again, this, this fascist police who takes him to a camp for boys to become special fascist soldiers where he befriends, uh, Pinocchio befriends his son Candlewick, who had first burned his feet off because he's a little shit. Uh, but, you know, they're pitted against each other in a training exercise, and, and the boys who kind of, like, made friends the night before, uh, decide that they can tie. Uh, and they do, and they both come to the Podesta, and they say, we both won, which, you know what? I kind of get, in a war game, maybe you don't want that, but also, I would be thrilled that I have two very fast boys if I was the Podesta. But yeah. he's not thrilled with that, and he tells Candlewick to shoot Pinocchio (laughs) with, like, a gun gun. He pulls out a pistol. He's like, kill your friend. Uh, And Candlewick's like, what? Yeah. So Candlewick uh, finally grows a spine. He says, uh, hey, you suck, but I can tell you no. At which point the Podesta throws the boy. uh, And him and Pinocchio work together to, um, you know, get him to maybe not shoot the puppet. Uh, and then a bomb falls on him, uh, which I say is poetic justice. Got Did Candlewick survive? I think so. I think it's implied. Okay. Well, good boy. Good Candlewick. Do we see him ever again? Not after uh, Il Volpe shows up again and crucifies Pinocchio and tries yeah, to he, set him on fire. He does very much crucify Pinocchio. <laughs> uh, at which point Spazzatore the monkey uh, comes to his senses and... Uh, Flings El Volpe off a cliff, and uh, he smashes his spine on screen. It's pretty good. GDT does not pull a single punch. Listen, this man is is the monster, monster monstrous dude, and he does not 
listen, like if have you seen Pan's Labyrinth? Yeah. Yeah, like I... there's that's a that's a tough film to watch. <laughs> For many reasons, but it is also very gory. Good film. Uh very very, very hard to watch. Uh, you know, not every movie by Guillermo del Toro cancels the apocalypse, regrettably. Yes, um, unfortunately. Quick aside. I don't know if you <laughs> saw my post about this, but um, I uh, regrettably am back on dating apps. And uh, oh, I did no. come across I did come across a profile that was like, oh, I'm into all sorts of nerd stuff. If you know what gypsy danger is, good, like, good for you. Or, like, Bravo or something. And I was like, Guillermo del Toro specific room made $411 million in the box office. Yeah, like, Pacific Rim got a sequel. Like, it's not a a niche film, my guy. (laughs) Yeah, sure, sure ain't. Um, So, anyway... Uh, Pinocchio and, and, uh, Spazzatura and, uh, yes, just the two of them at this point escape. They also get swallowed by the dogfish, and then they find Geppetto, and they find Sebastian, and they all celebrate, because they're all back together again. It's great. Um, they figure out that they can actually escape from the belly of the dogfish by Pinocchio lying a bunch of times and getting them all out of the blowhole, which is a very tense sequence, very cool, and they get out, but oh no, Pinocchio gets kind of re-swallowed, and Geppetto and Sebastian almost get re-swallowed again, uh, and Pinocchio dies once again, saving his, trying to save his family, except while he's dying, Geppetto is drowning. So Pinocchio is faced with a choice, break the rules again, and become mortal, and maybe save Geppetto, or you get to keep your immortality, and our good, good boy gives up his immortality and goes to save Geppetto and dies for real, for final, in the process. At this point, I was crying. (laughs) Yeah, like, this was the only time in any of these Pinocchio films that I was moved to emotion. And I was like, oh, this is like, wow, this is doing it. It's a lot. Um, But, you know, the Blue Fairy comes and she she, um, basically says, hey, Geppetto, I was just trying to make you happy. Uh, and Sebastian in all his righteous literary fury says, you promised me a wish. And she's like, well, did you do the thing? And he's like, well, I did my best, which is kind of all I committed to. And she's like, well, then you get your wish. And instead of a publishing deal, he does bring Pinocchio back to life. Kind of nice. It's kind of nice. And then you just watch everybody grow old and die. Yeah, Uh, the ending of this film is wild. It's it's exactly what I would expect from GDT, but like it is truly just like, hey, immortality is you know is also difficult to deal with. Like, you know, we went through all the trouble of of saving everyone, but in the end, they all they all go away. And like, it's framed as like you know that everybody is with each other. You know, um, ever nobody dies alone, right? Pinocchio is there for all of them, for Spazzatura, for uh, Sebastian, and and for his father. But he is left alone in the end, which is, like, kind of grim. Yeah. He seems contented, though. He didn't seem too too right. sad. Right. The last line is, um, he ventured into the world, and I believe the world embraced him back. So, like, mm-hmm. it, it ends on a hopeful note, but it is still wild to end this film on, like, yeah, so all these characters died. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's a movie about mortality, so I right, guess, you right. know. Right. I mean, it, it fits tonally, but, like, it is very few films about immortality go that far. <laughs> Yeah, well, GDT again, no punches right. pulled. Uh, right. It's uh, it's it's a lot, but I mean, so if we want to talk about our our talking points here, which is like GDT's Pinocchio buys into its own fantasy, right? You know, it's 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 very um kind of highfalutin, but but at the same time, like it it. <laughs> It's a beautiful story about mortality that also has some, like, cartoon logic to it, especially when Sebastian keeps getting the shit beat out of him. Yeah, I mean, in every single one of these, he is bludgeoned with books, he is trapped inside jars, he is, you know, (laughs) he goes to the fucking ringer. Yeah, and, like, the opening sequence of, um... Disney's Pinocchio doesn't really set the world up very well, um, but the opening sequence of GDTs does because it's both this, like, sad story about grief, um, this, like, hopeful story about this puppet that comes to life and it has all this, like, folk magic, but then Sebastian also gets his head smushed between the symbols of a cuckoo clock, and you're like, ah, we're also gonna get some Tom and Jerry shit here, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, which I think is very, very good. 
um, in the Disney one, there's a there's a cuckoo clock of a woman with a large butt, and and Jiminy Cricket is like, oh, excuse me, ma'am. <laughs> He's like extremely horny, which is very fun. Um, I just thought I should point that out. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I mean, do you have any any notes about just like the the difference between we we watched th- you know there's four different kinds of you know animations if, across the four Pinocchios we've been talking about, um, mm-hmm. or not animation but you know movie movie making techniques. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know if you have any wisdom to share, but like uh, I mean, I think I'm I'm always gonna be pretty pretty pro 2D animation, but watching this stop motion stuff was really truly incredible and and just kind of just like an art style that we just don't see that often, which I was very impressed with. Yeah, it's pretty much just Leica in the States that does it. Uh, And, oh, oh, sorry, also uh, another shout out to people from my alma mater. Uh, There's a small commercial studio in LA called Apartment D, which is a stop motion studio uh, folks from my old uh, college started. They're uh, quite successful. They do a lot of like TV spots and stuff. Um, So, you know, good for them. I'm always pro, listen, it's all craftsmanship, and, like, it's not that digital work isn't craftsmanship. Like, I'm a digital illustrator. That would be very hypocritical of me to, like, try to claim. Um, but I, I do, like, love seeing, like, when when the um, the death fairy, like, moves the sand. You can kind of see the sand wiggle, like, that human touch. Mm-hmm. I really, like, man, I love 2D animation, and I love stop motion so much, and, like... I wish we had more of that, even though they're not like, quote unquote, efficient crafts, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, this is, you know, we've seen a lot of consolidation in media companies lately. And like, you know, there's just been layoffs for the sake of showing how how efficiently you can run your company. And like, this is the problem with with not investing in your media companies and just making them, you know, things to sell as shareholders is that like, shareholders don't want your beautiful um you know well thought out like painstakingly produced um puppet puppet show they they want to make sure that you're you know producing media and and not spending too much on it which means you know using the the skeleton crew that you need um and i just really wish that all people in all media did not have to fucking clench their asses every single time quarterly reports came out because like if we could just you know give media companies the time they need to to produce works of art we could get like a hundred more of these and the world would be better for it it's a damn shame <clears throat> yeah gorgeous film hey what's pinocchio about <sighs> i was thinking about this um i think i really uh, that's the thing it depends right like geppetto only really got focused in this story in the guillermo del toro one and i think that made it much stronger if we want to talk about Pinocchio as a character, his whole thing is about learning to live in the world, I think, and just being like, you know, the the naivety of being young and, and just being like, you know, there there are options that you have, you know, you can you can go to school perhaps, um, but, but but you know, it's much more fun to you know have fun with your friends and try to make it famous, right? And, and the morality of the the common sense that the stories want to tell you is that like you should you know, listen to your conscience, listen to the thing that's, you know, your parents, the people who are, who, you know, are ostensibly supposed to look out for you. Um, but like, I, I really do think that Pinocchio is more about just like, you know, how fucking hard it is to be a person. <laughs> um, even if you are a manufactured one, like, you know, you, if we want to take the central metaphor of, you know, becoming a real boy to be like becoming a genuine, like decent person, um and just be like it is so hard to be a decent person in the world like just because of so of of circumstances that happen to you um right you know any one of these you you could like all the people that pinocchio interacts with you know they're quote-unquote bad people but like that's that's kind of the point of the story is like you could you can go off the straight and narrow at any point and like maybe that is a bit of a you know a fa- fabulous reading which is like the moral of the story is x right but i i do think that ultimately this is a fairy tale in the style of like a, a morality play like this is what you should do um and i think it works perfectly fine yeah i mean like uh i find it interesting how the whole like because if you think of pinocchio and you're like okay, what's pinocchio about and it's like it's a puppet whose nose gets longer when he lies it's interesting how lying 
like, plays a role in... I'm going to talk about the 1940s Pinocchio, because it actually... His nose actually grows more than once in that right. one. Right. Uh, versus, like, GDTs, because... <laughs> so you can talk about 1940s Pinocchio as a morality play about lying, right? And, like, listening to the, the conscience, the little voice inside your head, even when it's the hard thing to do. But in GDT's Pinocchio, it's interesting because lying is almost always, like, um... A def- like a like a function of cowardice it's it's only employed in moments when pinocchio is like scared or defensive uh, and doesn't really understand the consequences of his own actions quite yet um so in that sense it's about like like you said like how hard being a, a person is and how hard it is to tell the truth so in terms of like what is Pinocchio about, I was like, I don't fucking know. But you can, you it has a lot of interesting, to- pot- I'll say potentially interesting tools you could use to tell these stories. And uh, obviously, I think you and I are on the same page of like GDTs was the the strongest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, clearly of of the ones where you know this was clearly a, a passion project, right? Uh, Del Toro had been working on this specific film for forever and it was stuck in development hell and only just now got got a seat with Netflix. Whereas like, you know, the, the Disney one is just a soulless cash grab as all the live action ones are. Like, And thank God, what a beautiful film. Like, I right. feel like the world is richer for having it. Right, right. This, this is, you know, like I said about art before, just like a, a absolute work of like actual genuine care and artistry and like it's a gorgeous piece it's it's hard to beat um yeah so so if we were gonna remake a weird you know Mm. in in a weird unconventional art style i i my suggestion is stop motion but you know whatever one you think would be interesting and weird um what classic tale would we remake um and try to try to bring to modern audiences with a fun new spin uh, a la gdt's pinocchio Mm -hmm. i see you already have a suggestion so I don't actually know a lot about Baba Yaga. Uh, I know that there's she lives in a house with uh, cool chicken legs, but that's about <laughs> it. I would love for American and Western audiences generally to be exposed to the actual like like an anthology of Baba Yaga stories, like maybe like five, like you know maybe like not even twenty minutes, but maybe like fifteen to twenty minute like stories about the Baba Yaga and just like kind of the the general mythos and and story about what the Baba Yaga is and what she does. And, you know, maybe, maybe we could get, like, a little bit of a Baba Yaga colon origins, but, like, you know, um, just, just, like, a, a fun claymation Baba Yaga, I think would be great. Yeah, I would love that. I think, I honestly, like, I feel like I know versions of her story, but not, I, probably ones that are sanitized for kids, because I feel like that's how I consumed most of it. Um, listen, uh... 1957 uh, Russian animated film Snow Queen uh, fucks just completely. Um, so I think it might be fun to go for the Snow Queen again. Because, listen, I literally, as I'm saying this, I remembered that that's what Frozen was supposed to be. Oops. But wasn't. Let it go, Layla. Let it go. Let, it, that's not that. That's not what it was. So I do think maybe we could do like another Snow Queen. Um, I think in stop motion would be kind of a delightful time. You could do a lot of very fun snow effects, and <clears throat> also 1957 Snow Queen. By the way, free uh, subtitled on YouTube. Uh, very very pretty film. Well, it's like 60 minutes long. Uh, if that, I think it's quite short. But, uh, you know, I love a story about, like, young love. And those two two kids, uh, they'll really just, like, go, all the, go, like, to any length for each other. It's what I find charming about Spirited Away. I've learned that now the part where um, Haku comes back after maybe being dead makes me cry. That's new. That's never happened before. <laughs> uh, cry about that now. Uh, but, yeah, I think maybe that one could be fun. Um, and also because you get to play with, like, snow practicals. Yeah. Uh, and I just think that's fun. That is fun. That's neat. Yeah. Yeah. I think this, this would is be... a neat one. I have a, I have an alternative suggestion. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you and I should produce this uh, specifically. I do think um, somebody should let us produce uh, King Midas stop motion short, where everything hmm. he touches turns to gold. And then, um, hey, I'm going to edit this out, but I think then we take the gold and we run. So it's kind of a like a grift like a cash grab you might say literally yeah 
Okay. Does that sound good? Yeah. Cool. Great. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> um, Layla, when we are not trying to um, give just a little bit more light and love to classic stories um, with our wonderful imaginations, where can we be found on the internet? You can find me at L-E-Y-L-S-E-S on Twitter and Tumblr. Uh, mostly on Tumblr, honestly. Uh, just some kind of working and working on my webcomic. Uh, yeah, it's fun. What about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at AaronSXL. You can go to my website. That's at aavoit.com, where I talk about tabletop RPGs, health policy, and writing. I've got another podcast. That's at The Bible Boys. We just released an episode on... Um, sister act with Whoopi goldberg which was a delight um but that's a that's a podcast where my ex-evangelical friends and i talk about christian media um it's a good time our theme song is obsolete by keshko from the album filmmakers reference kit volume two you can find more of their music at keshko.bandcamp.com layla how should we end this week's episode hey i think uh i think i hear your cat meowing in the back again uh I regret to inform you, but the abnormal boy lacks discipline. (laughs) We'll see you all next week.